Hello and welcome to the Arsenal Way. Back again with you guys for another episode of our Arsenal Agenda series. I'm joined by Chris. You right, mate? Yeah, very well. Thank you, TC. How are you doing? Yeah, not bad. Uh, it's uh, as I said, I said to you, and, and a lot of people who watch my show will know. Uh, it's I'm doing fine with it with COVID. It's uh, it's not affected me as badly as it's affected a lot of other people, uh, thankfully. So uh, I'm soldiering on, but uh, fingers crossed to be out the other side very soon. Um, but what I you know did enjoy this weekend, Chris, was another win, uh, which is always great to uh, to perk up your weekend. Two one victory over Brentford should have been two 0 but you know we're. We were feeling charitable. We thought we'd give Brentford the ball and say, here's the net, you know, just chuck it in the net for you and you can have a consolation at the end, which was a bit of a shame. But uh, got the victory and that was most important, wasn't it? Yeah, it was indeed. You know, I was saying it before the game in the build-up, you know, it was really important. We we followed the the performance up against Wolves with, a, with another victory, with another good performance. And I think that's what we've done quite well. We were the better side by far. We dominated the game. Um, you know, early stages of the match, you begin to think, oh, come on, it's going to be one of those days again, isn't it? But no, we, we, we stuck to it. Um, obviously had more luck than we were able to get against Burnley, which was our last home game. And that was very frustrating. We were finding it very hard to break them down, create many clear-cut opportunities. But um, Brentford um, weren't quite on the same defensive level. And yeah, we, we found pockets of space. We found opportunities to get in behind and, and uh, cause them problems. And uh, with Smith Rowe back in, into the side as well, um, he, he, he was a breath of fresh air for us, gave us something new in the attack. And we all know the quality that he has going forward. We know he has an eye for goal in, in particular. And um, yeah, it was good to see him back involved and back on the, 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 uh, the score sheet. And it was a, another second masterclass as well. So Hale End really... Um, you know, again, proving how crucial they are to this Arsenal team and the way uh, the way we're building, the way we're moving forward. So, yeah, it was a positive um, overall performance, as you say. A bit disappointing not to keep that clean sheet. That was the only negative, really. Um, but hey, that's football. It is what it is. Uh, at the end of the day, we got the, the three points, and that's all that matters. Absolutely. Yeah, look, I, I was really impressed by the way that we played for much of the game. To be honest, we created more chances in the first half than any other Premier League side has in a first half performance this season, uh, which shows you kind of the level that we're trying to achieve and the, the frequency of, of, of chance creation that we're trying to get to. I think we need to improve the quality of those chances that we're creating because a lot of them were, you know, crosses into the box or snapshots from outside the area. But thankfully, there are players on the pitch like Smith-Rowe and Erdegaard and Saka that are trying to create these high-level chances. It does seem to me, though, Chris, that we are we are going to continue to struggle to, to take a lot of these whilst we have Lacazette up top. And that's not necessarily like a big slight on him, really. But I do get the feeling watching Arsenal that if they had that kind of clear quality level striker, that we'd be scoring plenty more than we are now with the chances we're making. Yeah, absolutely. You know, I think especially when we get ourselves into certain positions, you know, we've got some very creative, very dangerous wide players and, and the likes of Tommy Asu and Tierney who like to get forward, put in some dangerous crosses into the box. We haven't really got that aerial presence, have we, when we're going forward? And mm. I know Lacazette, there's been quite a few examples over the last few games where Lacazette's tried to get in the air or, or cause some problems. Um, but it's just not really um, sort of happening for him at the moment. But I, I think Lacazette, we we know he he's got the, the uh, some quality in front of goal we know he can cause problems and, and 
bit, a bit of a handful. Obviously, his hold-up mm. play in particular is one of his biggest strengths, and you you get the sense that we're going to have to try and play a bit more to those strengths in in particular over the next few uh, weeks and months. But um, you know, look, it is what it is. We've, we're in this situation. There's not a lot we can do about it. I think it's times like this when we we have to think ourselves very lucky to have a lot of quality around Lacazette as well in terms of Saka Smith-Rowe, who we know can score goals. They proved that again at the weekend. Martin Odegaard as well. Although I, I think he, he could have had a pop at goal a few times on on, mm. on Saturday, decided not to. I want to see him improve on that front a little bit. Um, but then, you know, Gabriel Martinelli comes back into the team. You've got Nicola Pepe there, who, who we know can, can score goals as well. So, you know, we're, we're fortunate enough to have a lot of quality around Lacazette. I think if we can try and play to his main strengths a bit more um, and, you know, look to get him on the ball, hold up play, invite others in to, to, to join him around the attack and moving forward, then mm. we may have a bit more luck. But um, unfortunately, in terms of the options we have in that striker role in particular at the moment, our, our options and our style of play in terms of that number nine role is a little bit limited than what we would like, obviously. Yeah, absolutely. I, look, I think that the options available to us are our frustration, and I have understanding and frustration in both courts because you know we we let Aubameyang go in January, and it's a topic that we're going to come on to, and we weren't able to bring in the players that we wanted. I'm frustrated because I feel like there are players that we could have signed. I mean, I watched Veghorst have a great game again for Burnley, um, and I'm thinking if. We're chucking all these crosses into the box, Chris. And if we had a six foot five odd striker that's really good in the air, you know, that actually might help us. Uh, but he he was decided against and, and Burnley went for him. Possibly the length of the contract is what put them off. I think a two and a half year deal offered towards him would have convinced him to, to choose Arsenal over Burnley. But, you know, that's all hearsay right now. But Aubameyang was moved on. He scored a hat-trick yesterday. The... I say hat-trick. The third goal is, uh, I don't know if anyone's not seen this yet, but the long-range strike that kind of just clips off him uh, very lightly was was awarded to him to make it three. And that did spark a bit of a reaction online, Chris. Um, a lot of people taking the opportunity to kind of point out the mistake, Arteta specifically, although I find that a bit strange. It's all put on him, but the, the mistake that, you know, apparently he's made letting him go. Where do you sit on this one? Aubameyang scored. I, I must have missed that. Um, <laughs> yeah, how could you have done? It's not like anyone was talking about it or anything. No, no, no couldn't have done. Um, look, I think this is just a normal reaction. You know, you, you lose um, a player who's been very important to your club over the last, what, four years it was with Aubameyang scored over 90 goals. Um, you know, there's no deflecting away from that he was one of our best players going forward well, he, he was our best striker um over the last couple of years there's no doubt in that whatsoever um and you know when it came to scoring big goals and big moments it was always well at least the majority of the time Aubameyang popping mm. up he was at times maybe not towards the latter stages of his Arsenal career but certainly in the um early to to, to mid um time at his at the club he was he was brilliant for us you know and um he was he was he was lethal in front of goal I think when you lose him and you don't you don't replace him um with a a player who has similar qualities or even better qualities um you know it's always gonna divide opinion and look I'm very much on the fence with UTC where I feel as if letting a Bamiyan go had just had to lead to someone else coming in I appreciate that we've got our summer plans in, in place and the club will be reluctant to change them. Um, 
you know, it's just, it's a very difficult situation, isn't it? You know, you can, you can attempt to, to make a last minute buy in the market on deadline day after a Bamiyang moves and you, mm. you hope it pays off, but it might not be for the right player. Um, and, and, and big risks come with that as, as well. Um, it was always going to be, you know, a big call and we have made a big call by not bringing anyone else in, but there's not a lot we can do about it now. Look, we've, we've won two games now um, after the, the transfer window. We're on a good run again. We've got to look at the positives. I think there will be many more times where we look at the situation after a match and be like, oh, if Aubameyang was there or a new striker was there instead of Lacazette, we would have won that or we would have scored more goals. You know, we can always sit here and, and, and go through the what-ifs and the buts, but look, it is what it is. We are where we are. Um, we've got, you know, a lot of important games still left to come and we've got to focus on the quality and the players that we have here. The thing is, at the end of the day, the reason why Bamiyang isn't here at the moment, it's not because he wasn't good enough. It's not because, you know, um, his form had dipped or anything like that in an Arsenal shirt. It's simply because for one too many times, he... Um, he was being indisciplined off the pitch and you look under a manager like Arteta and when you're the captain of Arsenal Football Club let's not forget that which he was at the time before being stripped of it you've got to set a good example and unfortunately um, as frustrating as it is you know because you don't want a, you know one of your star players to ever be in this situation unfortunately um Aubameyang um, just went over the line and, you know, he had his previous warnings, but despite that, um, something else obviously happened and Arteta said, right, that's it, enough's enough. Um, you've had your your warnings up until now and, you you know, you're setting a bad example. You're the, the, the captain of Arsenal Football Club and we've got to set the standards. If I continue to let you get away with this, then what sort of message does that send to the rest of the team, for example? So, look, it's it's frustrating. It's annoying the way it ended, absolutely, and it's really it's really it's quite quite disappointing because Aubameyang yeah. overall over the last four and a half years was brilliant for Arsenal Football Club, but that's football. These things happen. Arteta's dealt with it in the right way, in my opinion. Um, on on Aubameyang's side, whether or not you know there was the correct decision by not bringing anyone else in, look, we'll probably be in a better position to judge that at the end of the season, won't we? But it is what it is. We are where we are. Um, and now we've just got to, you know, focus on the players that we have and support them. Martin in the chat box saying, it's important to remember you take Lacquer out and we lose the hold-up player and he's tracking back. So it's a double-edged sword, really. While we're three points collecting, we can't complain too much. Uh, Hello, guys, says Al Haji. Uh, I'd like to see Smith Rowe and Martinelli playing together. One of the two play as a striker, particularly Martinelli. We'll come on to that in just a second. Paul says, player failing at club A moves uh, and is successful at club B. It happens. Salah at Chelsea, De Bruyne at Chelsea and Odegaard at Real Madrid are recent examples of this. Graham says, Aubameyang will score a few goals for Barcelona before the end of the season. He's motivated for the time being. When he has a fallout in Barcelona, he will be dropped just like at Arsenal. Uh, Magambo says, we all know it's because of the £350,000 per week and wasn't scoring. Laka can go a whole season without scoring, but is on 180k a week, which is average salary at a big club. Um, Jean uh, says, I love how people were constantly abusing Giroud, the best hold-up striker at Arsenal ever only for us to break our transfer record on a less reliable striker we are now praising for his hold-up play. Interest. I mean, I've always kind of maintained that I don't think Lacazette ever took us further than what Giroud really offered us. 
Um, but I think that where we are now with the team is that we're actually crying out for that kind of aerial threat. So there is a level of irony there. I do want to go back to that question uh, from Al Haji, who said about Smith Rowe Martinelli, because ironically, Arteta's actually been speaking about Smith Rowe very praisingly, as you would expect. But he mentioned him about the possibility of playing as a number nine, Chris. And we saw him do this, and it cost us a European semi a final, arguably, with that performance at Villarreal where he played him as a false nine, that these comments do worry me, uh, but I'd love to hear your thoughts. Well, I, I suppose one thing to note is that I think, obviously, Smith-Rowe's developed and grown a lot as a player since since that, that match. But, um, yeah, I, I'm still not sure if that's where we'll really get the best out of him, you know, because he's still got that, that creative side to him, that flair to his game. And I think... You know, whether it's on on the left hand side or or in that number ten role, I think that's where he is he is better suited. I think if if we were desperate TC or if we were up against a certain opposition where we needed to tweak some you know mm. certain roles and we thought Smith Rowe would fill in there and he was the best option, then you know I, I guess we'd have to see how it goes. But really, uh, unless it was absolutely necessary, I'd keep him out wide or in that number number ten role. Um, because I just think that's where he's he's best suited, you know. Like I said, it's we know he's capable of scoring goals. He's added that to his game, which is absolutely fantastic. Of course, we had Arteta had doubts, and we had sort of questions over his lack of goals in his game. But he's improved on that side massively, in my opinion. Um, but aside from that, you know, he's got the vision, he's got the flair, he's got that that um, positional awareness and how to bring his teammates into the game and his movement is really good as well. So it's not just his goal scoring side, it's his overall game I feel that he's improved on massively. And I just feel that, you know, when you've got people maybe like Nicola Pepe or Gabriel Martinelli that can operate in that number nine role, but perhaps and they're mm. more so suited to that role in particular because they've played there um, before in their career, I just think, you know, they're, they're the better options to have um, if we're looking aside from Lacazette and Nketiah, obviously. So, yeah, I'm I'm not so sure. I think it, unless it was emergen- an emergency, like I said, and we had sort of no other options, then yeah. I'd, I'd stay away from that. Yeah, me too. I, I, the Martinelli is, is for me, the, the closest option of, of anyone in the club behind Lacazette, even more than Eddie Nketiah. For me, I'd rather see Martinelli used if we had a choice between Nketiah and Martinelli, I'd go for the Brazilian. Absolutely. Um, I think that we need to invest more time in players that are going to be here for the long term. And so seeing Nketiah come on is still a bit of a frustration for me. And I'm hoping it's going to be something that we gradually change moving forwards. Uh, We are going to take some questions from the chat box. Uh, So if you do indeed have any, uh, please do throw them in. Graham Caldwell asking, what are the strengths of Fabian Ruiz and what qualities would he bring to the Arsenal team? How much of him have you seen, Chris? Uh, I will uh, hold my hands up and admit not too much, but um, you know he's a player I know who's been very important to, to Napoli over the last few years actually, and um, I know he's been highly rated for them. Um, and uh, I think uh, you may know more than me, TC, but I think you know on the ball he's very good. He's a very good passer, quite good technically. Um, likes a likes a pop at goal every now and again, I, I believe as well. Um, can be a bit of a threat moving forwards, but I think he's certainly that, you know, that 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 central midfielder that looks to get things ticking moving forward and also puts in a a shift defensively as well. Um, but yeah, like I say, TC, you may know a bit more than me. 
Uh, I, I like him as a player. I think he's great. Uh, I think that when we're looking at what Granit Xhaka is currently doing in that kind of left centre mid role in this new midfield three that Arteta's created, this new structure, I think that he would absolutely fit into that role that Xhaka's occupying with, with relative ease. Just looking at some of his stats now, whilst you were talking there to try and get a better uh, kind of wrap of what you can expect. Regarding shooting, I mean, the average is 1.74 shots per game. So, that's a fairly decent amount of shots he's taking. So it does prove your point that he, he does like to take a shot when the opportunity presents itself. Passing-wise, he's, you know, he's really, really strong. He's really good at kind of finding those balls through to the left-hand side because he's left-footed. And that would certainly suit both Tierney and Smith-Rowe playing on that flank. Looking at, obviously, the last game he played against Barcelona uh, in the new camp when Napoli got a really, I say impressive, you always think getting a result of the camp now is, is impressive and it should be, but Barcelona aren't the side as we know that they used to be. But, yeah, look, completed four out of six passes into the final thirds, one out of two passes into the box, um, completed 87% of the passes that he attempted during the game in terms of shots that he had during the match uh, against Barcelona. He didn't take any, uh, which is lower than, than what we've come to expect from this season. But when he does take a shot, 31.3% of them are hitting the target. So he's got a one in three. Uh, not conversion rate, but it's not strike rate. Even I'm trying to think of the word it is. Just shot accuracy, <laughs> I suppose, is the right term. Um, but yeah, 31.3% yeah. is not bad for a central midfielder. I think he would slot into that position perfectly. And to be fair, when it's being quoted at around £16 million, that seems like an absolute bargain. He does see his deal run out in 2023, so that, that definitely plays into it. But at £16 million, that seems so cheap. Uh, Mark says, on the striker fronts, do you see us bringing in two marquee strikers in the summer or one top-level striker and one who will play less but has potential? That's a good question. I think this is something, obviously, we've been wondering ever since the January market ended because, um, you know, obviously we've got to bear in mind Lacazette and Nketi's contract situations as it stands. They're both set to, to run out at the end of the season and they can obviously be speaking to other clubs ahead of a potential summer move. So, you can't rule it out because we'll be incredibly short in the striker uh, position. You know, we were already fairly mm. short as it is. But, you know, when you think about uh, another two going through the exit door, um, it becomes even more desperate. I suppose we've, we've got to evaluate a couple of things. Where Balogun is it at, for example, come the end of the season? Has he developed more as a player? Has he grown um, enough to convince Mikel Arteta that he'll be, he should be part of the Arsenal plans next season. Um, if he is, again, that decreases the need for, for for maybe two strikers. Where's Gabriel Martinelli's development at in terms of maybe playing more in that striker? I know um, football.london have, have reported that uh, Martinelli has been training in that central forward role um, for Arsenal. So you, you makes you wonder if Arteta is planning is maybe long-term future in that position a bit more. So, again, uh, along with potentially Balogun coming back into the mix, you've got Martinelli to think about as well. So, I think the club will be keeping an eye on those two scenarios. But at the same time, I think they will be, you know, planning to potentially bring in two strikers because you just don't know what the situation is going to be. They say, again, one of the situations with Nketiah or Lacazette change between now and the end of the season, one of them ends up staying. Again, that will decrease the, the need for two strikers. So, yeah, it's um, it's one to keep an eye on. I mean, personally, um, if I'm, I'm on the club, 
I'm potentially looking to bring in two strikers because for me, I'm I'm not sure if Balogun will still be ready to make that that step up. Okay, he may have a part to play, absolutely, and and be a rotational player. But when we're speaking about potentially Premier League, Champions League, Europe, Europa League football, maybe against certain opposition in Europa League, but certainly not in Champions League or the Premier League. I'm not sure if Balogun's quite ready to be a regular yet. Um, so yeah. Uh, it's one to keep an eye on and we can't rule it out. Um, personally, I think if, if Lacazette and Eddie leave, you know, as well, you know, on top of Aubameyang leaving last month, I think we'll personally get two players through the door. But um, yeah, I, I think as that, that question put it, I think that will be how it, how it plays out really. We'll go for yeah. a top, top name. He'll be a regular every week and then maybe sort of a younger, more promising player who can come into the mix every now and then. Yeah, that, that's what I think will happen. It's not necessarily what I'd like to see. I'd, I would really like us to see go for two top quality forwards. I, I've said mm. in that when we, we did that 100 million war chest or 150 million war chest panel piece that we, we did and I wanted Schick and, and Jonathan David to come in. I think they're two differing strikers, both quality and would add so much to the team next season. Uh, interesting one from just a yes or no answer. Would you drop Cedric and Smith Rowe for Tommy and Martinelli on Thursday? Um, no no I wouldn't maybe maybe keeping Smithrow in there yeah potentially bringing Tommy Tommy. yeah yeah because now I I think it was actually sensible to keep Tommy out um, at the weekend because the last thing we would have wanted and and we've seen it before is putting him into the mix again too early and you know it it doing more harm than good so maybe come Thursday he's more ready and that's the only change I would make personally yeah, I agree. Uh, Magambo says, where do you think Pedence, Daniel Pedence, will end up next season? He's deceptively quick. Will we go for him? I don't think we will. He's 26 years of age. He's done that classic thing where he scored his first goal of the season yesterday um, in the league. And obviously everyone's hyped about, hyped about him and what he can do. He really gave us a torrid time when we went to Molyneux. I like him. I see let's see shades of Eden Hazard in, in the way that he plays because he's so diminutive and small, quick and good with the ball at his feet. But at 26, you know, I'm not sure. I think he, he's deceptively not only quick, but deceptively mature uh, in terms of age for a footballer. I think he plays like, you know, an up-and-coming 20-year-old winger, but actually he's not. So I don't think we would or should go for him, to be honest. Um, but, you know, I think he's I think he's got absolute quality. I think he's at the right kind of level to, to express that quality as well. But he, he would need to score far more goals if he was to start being linked with a move to Arsenal. Um, last one uh, from Gene who says, why have we abandoned our quest for Awar? I feel like this is for Bailey more than anyone. <laughs> with Partey at the base, him and Erdegaard as the two eights would be amazing, surely. Uh, well, I think there's no doubting <laughs> that TC doesn't want him. Um, I think that was I think he's a quality player. I think um, he'd be a great fit for certain teams. Whether or not he's the right fit for Arsenal at the moment, I- I'm not sure. Um, I- yeah, I- I- every time I-, I watch Leon, Tom, I think this is mm. the thing, isn't it? He's always he always seems to be a standout player for them, and um, yeah. I, I wouldn't surprise me if he's he's still a player that the Arsenal hierarchy admire. You know, we we've been linked to, with him for for a long, long time now, um, and obviously he was one of the the names being linked with us before we actually went on to get party in the end, wasn't he? So, mm-hmm. yeah, I mean, look, it depends again what 
what happens this this summer. Um, I think we're going to go for a, a new central midfielder, regardless of any outgoings or whatnot. That's just what my gut tells me. I think we can really go out there and get an upgrade on Granite Xhaka, um, if I'm being honest, to to really, you know, bring in a top quality midfield partner for Thomas Partey. Um, mm-hmm. And I'm sure, yeah, like I say, a while will be a player that that could be considered. But personally, I think because it's gone quiet over the last couple of transfer windows now. Um, I think we've got other names in the mix. Um, but again, you can't rule out. I know, uh, as we both both are aware, TC, Bailey would uh, would love that to happen. But um, he would. he'd also like Renato Sanchez, and uh, I don't agree with that one. So He'd also like to hit the target more often at six or so. Um, but, <laughs> <laughs> um, no, I'm only chilling, Bailey. We love you. Uh, but in regards to our... I just don't see enough from our... Um, I, I, I just don't think that he is what we need to be honest and I think you've you highlighted that point there I, I see other players like Fabian Ruiz is a much much better option for Arsenal in that that role to replace Granit Xhaka and play alongside Martin Odegaard and release Odegaard more as well I just yeah our for me is just not the player that, that we should be looking for um anyway let's wrap things up there thank you so much guys for tuning in we are less than 40 subs now away from hitting 9,000 subscribers thank you so much for everyone that's showed your support already if you do listen on Facebook and you aren't subscribed on YouTube as well do head over to the YouTube channel and hit that subscribe button if only just to show that support and help us reach these targets um it means a lot Chris thank you so much for coming on as always mate uh, thank you TC pleasure as always thank you to everyone for tuning in and getting involved this morning I hope everyone has a great day absolutely uh, thank you for tuning in once again we'll be back uh, a little bit later you have more content for you coming this week and of course the show will return tomorrow morning again at 9.30am UK time we'll see you again very soon and as always keep following us down the Arsenal way <laughs>